Today's show is brought to you by my friends at Winefellas. Winefellas is your wine club for small allocation, hard to find natural wines from around the world. They specialize in organic and biodynamic wines that are made using traditional winemaking methods, but with minimal intervention. They're free of added sugar and chemical additives. They're low in sulfites. They're bottlings the wine world describes as, quote, natural wines. These are wines as they were meant to be enjoyed with nothing standing between you and pure expressive fruit. What I love most about Winefellas, aside from the fact that they only source the best natural wines in the world, but they also go the extra mile by giving you a fact sheet on each bottle that contains authentic alcohol content, residual sugars, sulfur dioxide and parts per million, pH, and acidity. Learn more about Winefellas by visiting them at winefellas.com. That's W-I-N-E-F-E-L-L-A-S.com. And be sure to use the code FEDANDFIT for $10 off your first wine club shipment. Welcome back to another episode of the Fed and Fit Podcast. I am your host, Cassie Joy Garcia. I am so excited to be back, kind of in the saddle. I'm just barely dipping my toes in, transitioning from my wonderful maternity leave back into an adjusted, a new, a new version of real life. So uh, thank you guys so much for riding along. I'm sure that uh, because we, we had lots of wonderful episodes to bring to the podcast. We still have several more that we recorded already that I'm really looking forward to uh, getting out there. Um, I'm sure that it didn't seem like I went anywhere because I all, we, we're coming at you with new content every single week, whether it's on the podcast here or with new recipes on the blog, with our weekly newsletters, all that good stuff, but I have missed you. <laughs> And I've missed creating content. My husband is holding our little daughter right now, um, giving me a good, I probably got a good hour or so where I can hammer out some stuff and I will miss her, but this feels awesome. Uh, Today's episode is a very special listener's question. I did a call for questions over on Instagram and y'all wrote in some really wonderful questions. And I, first I want to thank you for your great questions. We got a number of them, and I actually think we're going to be able to divide this episode or this show up into two episodes because there were a couple pretty distinct categories and a really natural breaking point in between or right in the middle of them all. So today's show is I'm going to really focus on your questions about pregnancy, pregnancy nutrition, fitness, postpartum, uh, postpartum fitness, and all the questions you asked about baby. I'm not an expert in any of these, but I will be more than happy to share a good bit of my experience. So let's go ahead and jump to it. We've got, I'll get through as many as I can in the next 30 minutes, and I hope that, I hope I'm able to capture all of them. So I'm gonna move kind of quickly. Okay, first question by Amy1019. Oh, <laughs> This is a tough tough question to start with. Uh, She said, you may never talk about, you said you may never talk about this, but can you talk about how you planned your labor if it went and if it went as planned? This is a good question. I am going to talk about it, actually. I am, um, I do have plans to type up a full birth story to share Grayson's birth story that whole day and some of the stuff that went 
into it and then the days after it. I also have plans to share a fourth trimester update or recap. If you've been following along on my blog, you know that I've uh, written first, second, and third trimester recaps. I also wrote a 42 week (laughs) recap uh, to share a little bit what it was like going um, almost two full weeks past the due date. So that will be coming to the blog and I'll be telling, I'll be sharing a good bit about it. But to give you a preview, um, I can tell you a little bit how we planned. So one of the main things that I went into really in planning, I use that word, but I mean it loosely in planning the Gray's um, arrival and and her her labor and delivery. I had a series of wishes more than firm plans, if that makes any sense. Um, this being our first baby, and and again, before I go into this, I know that labor and delivery and child rearing. Maybe I should have said this at the beginning of the episode because it pertains probably to all of these questions. It's a very these are very charged topics, right? They are emotionally charged. They're intellectually charged. Um, you can, you can argue all, all corners of all points and nobody would run out of things to say. Um, so what I'm going to talk about is, was my perspective and what worked for our family. And I'm not saying that this is what should work for all families. I'm not coming at this from a should perspective and um, and I'm not saying that we didn't learn things that we may adjust in the future. I'll probably I'll share that of course as, as they come up but um, this is just what worked for us. So okay so when I went into planning um, her our labor, I, I really wanted to be clear that it was more of a wish than a plan because something that I had encountered in a lot of my research was that a lot of people, leave their, or they, they have their baby and they have a lot of regret swirling around it, regret, or they were uncomfortable with how it went because it didn't go as planned. And there's just, it's a, it's a very emotional time to begin with. Um, and then I, I've, I've interacted with a lot of moms on top of it just being an emotional thing. Even if everything does go perfectly as planned, it's still an emotional roller coaster uh, really physically and, and, um, just with the big changes in life and the people who I talked with that had guilt about their labor, about how it didn't go as planned, um, or in interventions that were used, you know, to get baby out safely. They had guilt about that guilt or they, they had mixed feelings and it just added an extra layer of complexity to already having to adjust to motherhood and be present with their brand new newborn baby. It added an extra layer that pulled them away from really being in those moments was this guilt surround guilt or mixed feelings or just weird feelings about their labor because maybe it didn't go perfectly as planned. And so knowing that, I felt like I was given a lot of those stories um, while we were preparing to think about how we were going to, quote, plan our labor. And what it what it said to me was I wanted to go in with a very open mind. I am I have, of course, I have things that I want, um, but my priorities are and my priority. Number one was, of course, get baby out safely right? Priority number two. Um, and then it, the list went on from there, but I would say that I went in with birth wishes and I was really clear. Of course I had it typed up and I, 
<laughs> nurses asked for a copy of our birth plan. And I said, well, these are more of our birth wishes. I understand these, you know, these are things that we would want, but if something happens, um, you know, we came to this facility because we trust you guys. Um, and I trust your best judgment. We really trust our physician. So whatever she says, um, we've talked a lot of scenarios through with her. We're good with that. If anything happens, um, my mom and my, uh, my husband were both in the delivery room, you know, like we had decided who would help make decisions and what points in time, if I'm unable for whatever reason. So like I said, we went in with wishes, um, and I'll share what a lot of those details were in the blog post that I'll put up, but, um, you know, various things from, oh goodness, now the details are already fuzzy. <laughs> I'm going to have to look up my notes. Uh, but we definitely wanted skin to skin as soon as possible, delayed cord clamping as long as possible. Uh, I delivered in a hospital and the hospital has its own rules and procedures. So we had to kind of navigate and know what those were when we went in on, for example, delayed cord clamping. Um, I had brought my own diapers because I wanted to use certain diapers. We went to, with disposable while she's still a newborn and there are certain ones I wanted to use. There were certain kinds of wipes I wanted to use. So we brought those with us. Those were some of our wishes. Um, we wanted to delay her bath. You know, we wanted to delay it for as long as possible. And in the, in this, this hospital, it was 24 hours and we wanted to be able to do that. We wanted to really start working on that attachment with our daughter and, and work on building that trust with her. And a bath is a really beautiful way to do that. So that's kind of an example of some of our wishes. And I, like I said, I'll share those before I ramble on too much longer. Okay, next question. The Dirt Diva asked, I would love to hear about your must-read list of books for pregnancy and preparing for labor, as well as the books you plan to read as baby grows. Great question. Um, I... You know what book was really helpful was Mama Natural's book, and I'm going to type it in to make sure I say the title right. Mama Natural. <laughs> How's this for real time? Can you guys hear me typing in in the background? Um, oh, okay. The, the, the name of the book is The Mama Natural Week-by-Week -week Guide to Pregnancy and Childbirth. I actually found, um, she's fabulous. She's on social media. You can find her at The Mama Natural. She sent me a copy of her book. And in pregnancy, there are certain things that you just start to wonder about, right? Like, what, how, what if I have to have a C-section? Is there a way to make it more gentle? And instead of diving into the abyss of information online, it was so nice to have a handy little book there that educated me on a gentle cesarean. And exactly what is a gentle cesarean? If you do have to have one, here are the precautions. And for example, some of those lessons learned that I took from that went into my birth wishes. That if anything happens and we, of course, I would vaginal delivery is one of my top priorities, but get baby out safely was priority number one. And if that's the case and we have to go in for a C-section, here are some of my C-section wishes, right? Um, and so going with that was really helpful. She has a chapter on that. It was just a wonderful book. I highly recommend it. She talks about dates. It was a, it was a really good consolidated uh, resource of information. I should really bring her on the podcast. Resource of information um, to, to really help navigate from a, from a natural perspective. I did not have 
you know, an entirely what you would call natural birth, although every mother who's been through the process would argue that regardless of what interventions, it still feels pretty natural. You still had a baby. You grew a baby and had a baby. It's pretty natural. Um, so anyways, and it, and it nods to all of those different perspectives. So I thought that was a wonderful resource. I really loved it. Uh, on the technology side, you know, I really like Baby Center. I downloaded that app and it tells you every week kind of the developmental markers and I really like Baby Center. I didn't agree with all the articles on there uh, from a nutrition perspective, but they did a pretty good job of filtering good science. I encourage you, everybody, of course, when you're reading something or listening to something, even this show, second guess where the sources are coming from and do your own research. Uh, but I found that to be really helpful. And then as far as books, Once Baby is Here, my dear friend Liz Wolf, who you guys I've have a two-part interview with her coming up on the podcast soon, um, she really recommended uh, Aletha Salter. I hope I'm saying her name correctly. She's the author of The Aware Baby. And without going too far into the weeds on our parenting decisions just yet, because we're still new at it. She's seven weeks old. There's a lot to be determined. Um, I really do appreciate a lot of the guidance outlined in kind of the aware parenting realm. We are not, I, I, it doesn't all resonate with our family. Um, but a lot of, a lot of it does in terms of some of their main cornerstones and forming really good, healthy attachments to babies. So I've really found that helpful. And the book that I found the most helpful of hers is called Tears and Tantrums. And she breaks it up into, well, the subtitle I have it right here in front of me is what to do when babies and children cry. And I found it to be very empowering in that journey. I like to really rely a lot on my intuition when it comes to how I'm going to parent this baby, right? Because you are equipped to be a, the perfect parent for your child. Um, and so it resonates with my intuition and it really empowered a lot of my gut feelings um, with regard to that. Okay, I need to move along quicker, sorry. Oh my goodness, we're almost halfway done and I'm two questions in. Lauren Mark 725 said, your most favorite maternity genes. I'm so desperate to find some that won't break the bank. Um, I loved Ingrid and Isabel. I also, ooh, go to Target. Target has an Ingrid and Isabel line that is much cheaper and, and I probably wore those the most. They were these dark, dark gray jeans that had little holes in the knees so it was still trendy and I wore them all the time. Real food, y'all. How did you manage your thoughts about your changing body during pregnancy? Ideally, we'd all manage this beautifully, but I don't think that's the reality for many women. What helped you get through any insecure thoughts that came up on your journey? Oh my goodness, this question. This could be another slippery slope and I could spend an hour talking about just this. Uh, I'll try to make it quick. Um, how did I manage my thoughts about my changing body? I had to constantly remind myself. If you're a new listener here, I've talked about this before on previous shows, but just a quick um, background. I struggled with, um, uh, I, I don't know if you could quantify a mild case, but a, a case of body dysmorphia when I was a teenager and into my early twenties. And, and it's something I feel like anybody who's been through that may, may understand this. I feel like it's something I will always be recovering from. And that old haunt came up when I uh, when I conceived and my body started to change, especially in that first trimester before I really started to develop a baby bump before she really popped, the rest of my body just fortified, man, you know, like my hips got bigger, my legs got bigger, my, I just got bigger all around. 
And, and of course it was my body preparing and moving so that I could support and sustain a really healthy baby. And that's beautiful. And I understand that. Um, but it was weird looking in the mirror and not seeing a baby bump necessarily and just relying on the fact that I knew I was pregnant and that's why it was happening. And so I, it was, it was a challenge. It was a challenge to not look at my body changing and think, oh, here we go. But that's exactly what I had to do. I had to fake it until I made it. I had to look in the mirror and be like, oh yeah, we're getting ready for baby. I had to say it out loud sometimes. Um, <laughs> and depending on who was in earshot, I had to say it out loud and then that really helped me to believe it and it helped me remind myself that this is a really beautiful purpose Um, and my body is beautiful. It's doing incredible things and I need to trust the process. I had to remind myself, trust the process, Cassie. Your body is doing exactly what it needs to do and everything is going to be great and that helped calm my heart a lot. Okay, um, oh, ooh, I'm going to mispronounce his name, Golatsefi. Ooh, did I say that right? Okay. Did you have any fears about getting pregnant and how it would change your life, especially when it comes to your own business? Girl, I'm assuming girl. Uh, I had a lot of fears, to be honest. So let's see, Greg was born. I was 30. I'm 32. How old am I? Maybe I'm 31. I have no idea how old I am. I'm 31. (laughs) My word. You get to that point where you just kind of forget. Um, I... I think I would have had babies a lot sooner if I didn't own my own business because I was afraid of how it would affect it. I had gotten in my own head and you know what? I think it all happened in perfect timing. I'm not saying I regret uh, one bit of it, but going into planning our family, there was definitely some hesitation. Even in getting married, to be honest, I was hesitant to jump in because I knew I wanted to build this thing. I wanted to build something that I that I could set sail and it would it would stay afloat while I stepped away for a little bit. And you know what? Now that I've been through it, I really believe everything would have been just fine. I can do this with a baby, right? I really can. Um, but for whatever reason, that was a hesitation of mine. And and now that she's here. It's, it's easier than I expected. I'm not saying that it is easy, but it's easier than I expected. Um, and if anything has just made my pursuit of this business that much more rewarding and exciting, um, and I have even more ideas and ways I want to serve. I hope that was a good answer. I think this is a great spot to stop and hear from one of our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends at ButcherBox. ButcherBox delivers grass-fed, grass-finished, pastured beef, chicken, and heritage breed pork to your door each month. The animals are humanely raised and are never introduced to hormones or antibiotics. I have been a loyal fan and customer of ButcherBox for over a year now and love my monthly butcher box delivery because it helps me get healthy, nutrient-packed protein on my table with ease. To order your own butcher box, head to www.butcherbox.com forward slash fed and fit podcast where you can get $15 off plus free bacon with your order. Again, that's www.butcherbox.com forward slash fed and fit podcast for $15 off and free bacon with your order. Okay. Fitness by Chelsea underscore. How did you prepare for pregnancy? What tips do you have for eating healthy and an exercise and exercise postpartum? Um, how did I prepare for pregnancy? You know what? I knew when Austin and I got married, we got married, we celebrated two years in, in October this past year. So we're, we're in our third year of marriage. Is that how the is that how the the years work? I don't know. 
we're newlyweds kind of. When we got married, I knew that I wanted to have a family with him. I knew I wanted to be a mother with him um, as my husband and as their father. And so when we got married, I started thinking differently about how I treated my body because at that point I knew it wasn't just for me. And I did not, I wanted to make sure I was supporting really healthy hormones and I knew that I didn't want to get too lean because sometimes getting too lean can often um, pause, sometimes ovulation. And I really wanted to build my body and make sure it was as healthy as possible. And I'm in a really great age bracket right now, um, but I'm also not 22 years old where the body, you know, our bodies become slightly, slightly less forgiving as we grow uh, older. And so I really wanted to make sure I was being very intentional about supporting that. And so some things that I did was I stopped being in it to win it in the gym. I went and I got, and it honestly was great for my mindset. I was able to go into the gym and work out and just feel good about the workout. You know, it wasn't about um, getting beating my best Fran time anymore. It was, a, if, if you're a CrossFitter, you know what Fran is, uh, but it's a pretty intense workout and everybody has a time and it's pretty quick and you can keep track of your, your score. I, it was, I, at that, I got to a point where I was just happy to have done Fran and felt like I, like I really exerted myself. It wasn't so much about beating my last score, if that makes any sense. So my mindset around fitness changed a little bit. Um, I used to run a lot of marathons and I stopped doing that because it, it, it really was too much of, it, it was too taxing on my body. And I was, I was cautious of the impact it could have on some of my uh, reproductive hormones just via the stress that it has on my joints and my body and also the fact that it could have an impact on um, reducing body fat more than I really wanted to. So I was just really careful about walking that line. That was something that I did. And when it came to nutrition, I started eating a lot more liver, a lot more grass-fed beef liver and pastured chicken livers um, spinach, for example, all of the, uh, those foods I just mentioned actually have a bioavailable natural, uh, naturally occurring form of methylated folate, which is really important to build up for healthy baby making. Um, so I did that. I wasn't legalistic about it, but it was one of those like, you know what, once a month we're going to cook something with liver. And, and it was great. And I have a few episodes or recipes on my blog. If you're looking for some tasty ways to get it in, I am not one of those people that can just fry it up and, and chow down that sounds terrible to me. Um, So I did that. I started taking prenatal vitamins about a year and a half before we really knew that we were ready to go for it. And uh, just again, to help build up reserves. So I started eating a lot more fruit uh, because the fructose can really help our women, our our lady bodies uh, prepare and have really good healthy cycles. So that's kind of that's kind of an overview. I was not I was not afraid of fat. I did not go low fat and I did not go low carb. I started really making sure that all of those all the macronutrients had a really healthy um, representation on my plate. Okay, Ashley Lauren, nineteen nineteen. Did your abs separate? Did you do pelvic floor exercises while you were pregnant, and will you return to CrossFit once you get the go ahead? Did my abs separate? Let's see. I'm gonna have to feel while I'm sitting here. Um, you know, I, I feel every once in a while. I think I have, let's see, I'm seven weeks postpartum. I have about a centimeter separation uh, right now in my abs, and that will probably continue to change and adjust. I really am trying. I went into this telling myself not to worry about it, right? Now, I, I, I had precautions that I put into to help prevent 
uh, that that abdominal separation. And if you're curious about what we're talking about, listen to a few episodes with Brianna Battles. I've had her on the show a couple of times. Um, so I did things to kind of help prevent a really severe separation, which can be possible if you're doing, for example, crunches. If you're trying to contract those abdominal muscles around a growing baby belly, what's going to happen is you might put undue unnecessary stress on that center piece of connective tissue and it can possibly stretch it a little bit. Um, and, and the body goes back eventually, but, um, sometimes if you really overtax those muscles, while you're pregnant and maybe you also have a really enormous baby belly, um, you can have a separation. So um, I was very conscious of that and I avoided workouts that had crunches. I just wouldn't do them while I was pregnant. I would do another form of workout. So anyways, I had about a centimeter separation. Did you do pelvic floor exercises while you were pregnant? So this is an interesting question because I actually, I did do pelvic floor exercises, but not the kind you may think of. I actually did see a pelvic floor physical therapist while I was pregnant, and I'll go back to her again, which is a great thing to do, especially if you are, for example, a CrossFitter. It's a good thing to go in and get checked out. Um, I have, so the pelvic floor essentially is that, that net of muscles that kind of holds everything up in your abdominal cavity, and um, a lot of people, when, when, a, when you have a baby, it stretches and you have to, the, the commonplace advice is you need to focus on tightening that pelvic floor, like really focus on toning it and getting it tighter. And after the baby, you know, doing your Kegels, right? Those kinds of things. Um, that's kind of the age old wisdom is you need to make sure you're toning and tightening that. And I actually have the opposite problem. I have an overactive, over-engaged pelvic floor. There's an actual word for it in Heaven help me, I can never, ever remember the actual term. Um, but I have an over-engaged pelvic floor, and I have had to do my exercises were focusing on actually re- learning how to release it. I walk around with it always engaged. My default is for it to constantly be engaged. And so my exercises before delivery were to learn how, how to relax it. Because you got to relax it so a baby can go through it. <laughs> so... Anyways, there's that. Uh, will you return to CrossFit? You bet your bippy. I can't wait to go back with a lot of modifications again. Very similar to my modifications I had during pregnancy. I'm not going to do a whole lot of core-centric activities. I'm going to do things that are more foundational until my body is really, really recovered. So I'm going to move slowly. Did you CrossFit? Uh, let's Oh, who is this? Anna Basel. Did you CrossFit throughout your entire pregnancy? If so, what were modifications that you liked? Um you know, similar question. I did CrossFit for the majority of my pregnancy. I had migraines in my first trimester and I don't think you could have drugged me to the gym when I was in the middle of a migraine. I don't, there was no amount of motivation that could have gotten me there. Um, so I stayed home during active migraines and, um, I also, some of the modifications I made were, I avoided some shrugging activities. You know, if you think about, um, what's a shrugging activity, like a clean, a, a clean, for example, where you shrug your shoulders up. I avoided those early on in my pregnancy because 
the I was just afraid of triggering a migraine. The tension that I would get, those tension headaches, which would trigger a full-blown migraine. I was nervous about those, so I would avoid those, and I liked that. And then, like I just said, I avoided abdominal exercises. Anything that would cause my belly, once it started to get bigger, to cone. And to, when you think about coning your belly, if you look down on your belly, like look at your belly button, imagine flexing your abs and that center piece of connective tissue that I just talked about, if it's if it kind of pokes out, so so essentially there's stuff in your belly and it needs some place to go, and the path of least resistance is that connective tissue. If it causes it to cone like that, that means that was like I'm doing something I need to not be doing. And I would watch my belly during workouts to see if I was doing that. And it caused me to change how I was doing movements. For example, when I got on the rowing machine in about my second trimester, and I remember pulling all the way back, extending at the back of a row. And I'd look down at my abs and I, my belly was coning because I didn't even think about it, but I was engaging. You engage your entire core in a movement like that. And so I had to all of a sudden change the way I was rowing. Um, and it was interesting. It's hard for me to describe it exactly what I did, but I just changed it so that my belly wouldn't cone. I stopped doing kipping pull-ups. I stopped doing toes to bar. Um, and I started working on more strict movements and tried to really avoid engaging those abdominal muscles. Okay, how are we doing on time? Oh, we're getting close. Okay, what's next? Um, what prenatal vitamins did you take? So again, asterisk, this may not be the right answer for everybody. I have, a, a lot of prenatals out there have iron in them. The, almost all of them do, uh, as which is great. Um, and I just happen to iron supplements make me throw up immediately. Uh, there's, I've tried them all and I've tried every trick in the book. Uh, so the one prenatal that I could stomach was the smarty pants gummy vitamins and they are straight up candy, but they have, they have most of the ingredients that I wanted. So I started taking those. I also have a really healthy balanced diet, uh, which I relied on heavily. Devin Miller, 88, what pregnancy postpartum books did you read, enjoy, and are found to be the most beneficial? 31 weeks and I feel like I have been winging my entire pregnancy. You're, girl, you're doing great. That's great. Winging it is the way to go sometimes. Uh, like I just said, I think that that Mama Natural book was really helpful to me. Uh, so I recommend giving that a read. I re recommend looking up Brianna Battle's uh, stuff. Uh, who else is out there? Liz Wolf, of course. Adore her. Um... That would be, that'd be my starting point. Rachel Aggie, what pregnancy supplements did you take? Are you continuing to take them or adding any other, others while breastfeeding? Also, Aggie class of 2008 here. Whoop, ooh, I'm class of 08. Hey, sister. Um, so like I just said, I took Smarty Pants. And I actually also took, let's see, I'll just go through all of the supplements I took really quickly. I took Smarty Pan vitamins, the prenatal ones, and then I got my husband on the man one. So he's happily supplementing. We have our afternoon gummy vitamins every day together. Um, I actually take the beef liver pills, desiccated liver pills from, uh, oh goodness, Vital Proteins. They make the collagen that I also take. Uh, and I like those desiccated beef liver pills because beef, grass-fed beef liver has really wonderful micronutrients in it. Um, not a whole lot of iron, but there is some in there and it's just nice for me to get a little bit, it, bit of it. I also make sure I get a lot of it in my diet. Um, so I did those. I took, now that I'm breastfeeding, I'm taking also vitamin D and a good deal of it. I'll talk more about that in a little bit. 
Um, but if you're interested, kellymom.com is a really wonderful website for the breastfeeding mama. And it had a really, a lot, it does a great job. She sources a lot of wonderful, um, well-founded research studies and kind of collects the highlights. I think it's a really well-rounded website. She does a great job. So um, if you're interested about why vitamin D, um, that's where I would look there. And so I also take collagen peptides, just straight up the blue container from Vital Proteins is my go-to. And I add a scoop of that stuff in my morning coffee. And sometimes during late pregnancy, I actually also added an additional scoop in with evening tea. I liked it with Hyde Make Hot Ginger Tea, ginger tea from traditional medicinals, that organic ginger. And I'd squeeze in half a lemon and then I'd add in a scoop of collagen peptides and you cannot taste it. It does not ta change the flavor of your coffee or your tea whatsoever. If you have more questions about why collagen peptides, I have an extensive blog article that I wrote about it and I think it's called Everything You Need to Know About Collagen. Um, and so you can learn all about it there, but it's a really wonderful foundational building block and um, I build healthy tissues for mom and my growing body and also for healthy baby. She was very healthy. There was, as soon as she came out and all of the wonderful stuff that she was growing in, <laughs> the doctor was like, you, she was very well nourished. Um, so those were some of them. Let's see. I think those are most of my supplements. There's one other. Oh, this is just for fun. Uh, but I take these little collagen chews. And I can't remember the brand name. It's escaping me right now. Hashtag mom brain. Maybe that's a real thing. Uh, but I will post about them. But I just take these little collagen chews. I take a couple of them a day. And that's just for extra collagen. And they're just delicious. It's like candy. It tastes like a Starburst. Okay, next question. Angie Henley. And this may have to be one of my last ones. I'm so sorry. We'll have to do this in parts. What pregnancy supplements did you take? Are you continuing to take them or adding any others while breastfeeding? Oh, I just read that. Get it together, Cassie. Okay, Angie asked, um, what did you do if you had pregnancy food aversions? What are some nutrient-dense, easy, easy-to-eat foods during time of pregnancy that uh, pregnancy-induced food aversions? Oof, sorry. Okay, um, I was one of the very lucky few that did not actually have any food aversions. I had the migraines, I think was... Um, uh, that was that was my cup. Um, so I did not have any pregnancy food aversions, but I have, you know what? I just want to offer you some peace of mind. I think that we, when you do, if you do a really good job, and even if you don't do a fabulous job, the body is amazing. Your body and being able to build a healthy baby is absolutely phenomenal. It is going to pull wonderful nutrients for your baby and it is going to prioritize that. So I wanna give you a little peace of mind. It's really easy when we come from a perspective of healthy eating all the time because we understand the science and we understand the benefits that when it comes into building a baby, we're like, oh, now let's sink our teeth in even further and get even better. I wanna make sure I'm doing everything I can to set this awesome tiny human up for a really wonderful, healthy life. I was, I'm so there with you. And then all of a sudden, your first trimester hits and you can't keep anything down and nothing tastes good or maybe you have migraines and you, 
if, if you can't even give any thoughts to putting together a healthy meal. And so I, I've talked about this a lot, but I lived off of gluten-free graham, graham crackers because that's all what was in reach. For whatever reason, I had a whole bunch of them and it was just something easy. It kind of kept my blood sugar a little bit high, which kind of helps mitigate migraine symptoms minorly. Um, so I had a little guilt during that phase of my pregnancy because I was like, I'm not eating all the things that I normally eat. Am I hurting this baby? Am I, am I responsible for my changing body? Would it be changing like this if I were eating more nutrient-dense foods more consistently and not, this, not just refined gluten-free treats? And at the end of the day, I had a really, really, really healthy baby. Our bodies are resilient. They will pull from reserves. Eat what you can eat. Eat what you can stomach. Make sure you're getting plenty of carbs, really good fats. I would say um, if you can, if you do rice, I would say white rice is great. Get some good carbs in. Get lots of fruit in if you can. Keep experimenting. Send If you have a husband who can help or a mother or somebody, send them to the grocery store. You're like, you know what? I If you showed me a tomato, I'd, I think I might throw up right here. So try to figure out something else that you can get on the plate that would replace that vegetable that may have been commonplace before. Make sure you're getting your macros, right? Enough protein, enough carbohydrates, and enough fat. And do your best with where those foods come from, right? Do your best to see if you can get that from a healthy grass-fed steak or some wild salmon or maybe some broccoli and maybe some butter. But sometimes it might just be grass-fed butter on a piece of toast is all that you can manage and that's fine. It's okay. This too shall pass. The cloud will lift and you will be equipped again in a few short weeks. It was... People said it and I did not believe it. They said, as soon as second trimester hits, you're going to feel better. And I was like, right, because oh, there's some magic in that. And there there was, there was some magic. The cloud lifted and all of a sudden I was ready to dive back into my really healthy nutrient dense plates and get back on track with the nutrition protocol that I know and I believe in. Um, and the other was just a period I had to endure. So okay, I hope that kind of answers your question a little bit. Um, but I would say just try to, if you can get in a little liver, but don't kill yourself. Try to get in. If you, if you can't tolerate the liver, try spinach, methylated folate. It's not as dense, but it's also available in spinach, you know? So some of those things, just do your best, get some greens when you can get some fruit when you can get some starches and some proteins and some fats and, and remember that this phase will pass. Okay, okay, I think that's all we have time for today. This may turn into a four-part Q&A episode series. Thank you guys again so much for, di for dialing in, for listening, for writing your questions. It means a lot. I really just I adore this community. So thank you for being a part of it. And as always, we'll be back again next week.